Kind Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for another day to be with you. Our soul delighted in you. You are so kind and loving to us, our seed and family member. Thank you for shielding us one more time from the hands of the enemy. Oh, yes, God. God, continue to hide us behind your cross where the devil cannot find us. Forgive us for our sin of omission and commission. Omission and commission. Prepare our heart and mind to receive your rhema word on this morning. I am covering myself, the listeners, and our family member with the blood of Jesus that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer. Continue, Father, to open doors of favor for this ministry and the overseer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The conference has been muted. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. This is uh, really beautiful. I thought we gotten rid of all the cold, but we still have a little bit of a cold left behind uh, this morning, at least in Charles. Uh, I'm in Charlotte. I'm hoping Charleston is a little bit warmer um, this morning. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always praising God for moments like this, like how we are having um, on Sunday mornings or Friday nights when we praise God and just like a come together as a family. There is a oneness of spirit that just like a God puts it on each and every one of us. Can you imagine we are actually all on the phone line talking to each other and that um, we have people from like the north, we have people from south, we have people from the east, and we have people from the west. All the way to South Dakota and Texas, we have like a people on this line, but we are all connected in oneness with God. That's just beautiful to just like watch how God is glorified in this place. So, with that said, I wanted to go to um, Exodus chapter 30. As you know, we are just like a going through the tabernacle. We are studying about the Holy of Holies. We're, we're now in the holy place where we've already seen the, about the table of showbread and uh, about the lights. Um, but we are in the altar of incense. These are the three things that exist in the holy place. And God spoke about these things for nearly 50 chapters in the Bible, right? So today, we're going to pick up where we left off last weekend on the altar of incense. And we may linger on this altar of incense for a little longer, I think. Let's see how God leads us into this. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Exodus chapter 30. We're going to read from verses 1 through 9, and we also welcome all the podcast listeners to this message. We're so glad you're here with us, and uh, we pray that this will be a blessing for you and your family as well. You shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length, a cubit its width, it shall be square, and two cubits shall be 
of its height, it, its horn shall be of one piece uh, with it. And you shall overlay its top, its side, all around, and its horn with pure gold. And you shall make for it a molding of gold all around. Two gold rings you shall make for it under the molding on both, both its sides. You shall place them on its two sides, and they will be holders for the poles with which to bear it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Aaron, so far, so far in these verses, God has given description of like a how should the altar of uh, incense should be made, right? So far, he has talked about the height of this altar. He's talked about the, the material that needs to be used. And he talked about how this altar should be moved from one place to the other. Next comes the most critical one where he is talking actually about how the saints like you and me should be, you know, treating this altar. So the altar is now made. Now he says, Aaron, the chief priest, right, shall burn on it sweet incense every morning. When he tends the lambs, he shall burn the incense on it. So he says, in the morning, when you come in, go ahead. And while you're doing other chores in the holy place, go ahead and put the, the sweet incense on that altar. Right? And then he says, and when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, at the night, right? when he lights the lamps at night, he shall burn incense on it. A perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Right? So he says like the morning and evening, keep putting incense into that because this is something we're going to hang around today about like what is that incense and why is God so particular about doing this one morning and evening, right? You shall not offer strange incense on it or burnt offering or grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. We'll come back one day to actually look at all of those offerings, the burnt offering, grain offering, and drink offering. But today, know this for sure. What God is asking the priest to do is to pour the sweet incense. And last week we touched a little bit. There is a, a study done by the Institute of Tabernacle, and they are talking about these incense, the different kinds of incense, like 
myrrh and frankenstein and all those things so, so we will t- come back uh, you know on that res- as well but god is saying put the sweet incense on it and aaron shall make an atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement once a year he shall make an atonement upon it throughout your generation generations right it is the most holy to the lord the verses here are so beautiful two things that i get from verses 7 through 9 number 1 it has to be continuous it has to be done morning afternoon evening in this case he's saying in the morning and evening but a perpetual incense like throughout the day you can smell that incense right god wants to smell the incense and we saw the second thing is that don't throw you know all kinds of stuff into it he gives a very specific instructions on it and then the third one is he says that this is the most holy it is most holy to god what happens at the altar of incense is most holy to god and last week we saw um about this incense is a representation of prayer right and that's why um we will take a very quick detour from the tabernacle into prayer prayer is something um that that is so vital for every one of us we all go through and we all are asking god for something there are some sometimes like when we think about this prayers um there is not enough study that is available there's so much about this conversation that we need to have with god that should be just like you know dig deeper right um there is one place in the in the first thessalonian chapter 5 um you can read both all the way like a 16 through 18 in fact if you have like a um the bible app um uh, it, it's just funny like uh, how god just like uh, works in mysterious ways this verse was actually prepared a while back but today morning i open up the bible app it's about first thessalonians chapter 5 verses 16 to 18 is there and there jesus is talking about you know paul's writing this but jesus is talking about how we need to be praying continually without ceasing right why did god orchestrate this altar of incense right why should god care about like this sweet incense why should what is the significance of this right god wants to have relationship with us see the thing is when we read uh about in in john chapter 15 uh the night before jesus was crucified he was sitting down and having a dinner with his disciples right during that time he brings up a conversation about like the the the, the tree and the wine tree the the grape tree he's talking about like a, any tree that does not bear fruit right jesus is saying they will be cut off when we read that we think like oh my god if we are not bearing fruit we will be cut off think about it 
right? We all make, uh, we all have like a master's and PhD in making mistakes, right? We, we would at one point in time, uh, if not every time, we make mistakes. We, we just like to get into this mode of like a, making mistakes constantly and we are, you know, very qualified to be cut off and thrown out of that garden, right? If God was going to cut off every tree that does not bear fruit, there will be nothing in that garden. God, God wants to make an amends to that one. He's a pure judge. He's a pure, you know, uh, holy, pure and holy. And he, he can throw us all out of the garden, but he's a God of relationship. He wants to have a relationship with you and me. And that's why he orchestrated prayer. Right? Prayer is a powerful weapon that's given to every believer. Today, you know, we are going to look at the various facets of prayer. I don't know whether we will be able to get to the end of it. That's what I'm thinking. We may continue for one more week. But the thing is this. Before we go into the, the different facets of prayer, you can actually do a YouTube search on this different types of prayer. There's like so many videos out there. Some say four types of prayer, seven types of prayer, nine types of prayer. All those are good. We will get to that one, right? But before we even get to it, we need to go underneath that surface to see some of the basic principles under which all of our prayers operate. Okay? That's where we will spend a little bit of time this morning. Okay? There are four things that I want to talk about today. Right? These are like a basic principles that God has already orchestrated for you and me. Okay? And we need to uh, you know, be keeping this like a benchmark uh, when we are going before God in prayer. So the number one, before we make any prayers with God, Right? We need to make peace with God. That's number one. Before we make any prayer request, before we go to him with the list of petitions, before we go before him with an intercessory prayer, we need to make peace with God. Sometimes we are angry at God for something because he hasn't done something for us. And the thing is that we somehow hide that underneath the rug and then we go to him in prayer. God says, no, 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 no. Let's pull up that rug. Let's bring that thing out. Let's deal with that stuff first before, you know, we can start to talk about it. Sometimes God says don't do certain things in our life and we kind of like a do that and we justify it. That's the, the beauty of our Christian life. We actually have a nice way of justifying anything, right? So here, um, you know, if God says like, a, you know, don't eat this uh, food or don't drink alcohol, don't smoke or don't watch this kind of like a TV, don't watch this kind of, uh, you know, internet, uh, you know, videos, we, we somehow watch and do all those things 
and we slide it under the rug and then we come in the morning and then we start to pray. God is saying, no, 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 no. I just want to be in the complete form in your life and my life. You know, he wants to take, you know, a complete, you know, whole of us. He doesn't want a portion of us when we go to him in prayer. That's why he wants to make peace. He wants us to make a peace with him before we offer any prayer into that altar of incense, right? So turn with me, if you have your Bible, to Isaiah chapter 27, verses 5. It says, let him take hold of my strength. In fact, I really like the amplified version of this. It says, let him cling to my strength and rely on my protection. My stronghold. God is saying, go ahead, cling on to the hem of my garment. Right? But before you cling on to my garment, here's what he says. That he may make peace with me. And he shall make peace with me. Twice the same thing. In the amplified version, it says, he shall make peace with me and he shall make peace with me. It's like a God when he's trying to make an emphasis. Like whenever he talks about something, he would say like a Peter, Peter. That means like God wants to get our attention to something that is very important. Right? And here, God is saying, before you make another request before me, you know, let's pull up the things, even if it is dirty, even if it is burning, God says, let's amend that. Let's get that out of the way. When, when Jesus comes um, to the tomb of Lazarus, right, and uh, it has been already a couple of days, and Lazarus' sister says, uh, when Jesus says, like, open that tomb, right, and she says, oh, God, it's going to stink because it's like a three days or, you know, a handful of days has gone by. And God says, you know, open the tomb. Why? Because in order for God to fix the problem, even if it stinks, he wants to open our heart and go to those places and remove those pieces of puzzle that needs to be removed. And he wants to make amends and peace with everything. That's why God cannot cut you and me out of the garden because we made a mistake. That's one thing that the Christian community, as we, as a Christian community, have failed so many times because we think that guilt can separate us from God, that sin can separate us from God. No. If God knows we are a sinless human being, he wouldn't have gone to the cross and died. He went there because he knows what our capabilities are, right? So, the time never heals any issues. Time will never heal. Sometimes we are angry with God because there are some things that we prayed for and it didn't happen, right? And so, that's why God is saying, before all that new thing that you're bringing to my table, let me give you some peace over what you have already gone through, right? David goes through this very situation 
And he couldn't comprehend when he looks at his situation. He's, he's just thinking to himself, God, I don't understand. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm chapter 3. Psalms chapter 3. It says, like a David's just like a running from his son, Absalom, right? And there are so many people that are just like a, all of a sudden going with his son and just like a hating David, and they're all like a throwing dirt at David all over. Not only that, when he was running from Absalom, there is another guy on the street, one of Saul's relatives, he throws dirt and mud and stones at David, and he just like was saying, you bloodthirsty man, you deserve this, right? Right at that moment in time, David's writing this psalm, Psalm 3, right? And he says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. He's saying, there's so many people that doesn't like me are just like, you know, have increased in number. All of a sudden, these people who were really nice to me now act and say things that are, like, so troubling, right? Many are they who raise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. We've heard this so many times in the Bible, in the life of Job, in the life of many of these, you know, uh, people who have stayed closer with God, have felt this in their life, and I'm here this morning to encourage you as, a, uh, as you're listening to this that, 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 that there is no way that God would leave you nor forsake you. No matter what your situation is, God is there with you. Right? No matter how much that the enemies pile up, no matter how much the situations pile up, no matter how difficult the mountain looks like, God would never leave you nor forsake you. And David's, David's just like a pouring his heart, right? But then he, halfway through singing that song, he says, Ah, but you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord, here's his prayer, with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Right? I'm sure last night when Miss, Miss Fred Lee went to help that person, I'm sure at moments in there, she would have cried out to God and said, God, help. Right? And so, he says in verse 5, I lay down and slept. I woke up, for the Lord sustained me. I am not, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. What is David doing? Halfway through his prayer, his prayer actually strengthened him to know that nothing can damage him. I, we, we, we did this uh, um, on Friday night. We were meditating on the awe-ness of God, right? We were meditating on this unreachable um, uh, light. That's what we were meditating on. And the thing is that 
that we are worshiping a God who is magnificent. He's just so big that there is nothing, you know, that can overtake or override what he has decided to do for you and me, right? And so the thing that it does is that it just made a peace for David in this situation. David was saying to himself, there's so many people that are against me, this problem, that problem, and all those things. But then halfway through, he realized, oh, my God, I'm actually crying out to my God. Now, those problems doesn't seem that big, right? And so here, God is saying the first and foremost principle under which that he acts is that we need to make peace with God. All our anger needs to be submitted all our vulnerability has to be submitted. All our guilt needs to be submitted. All our sins need to be submitted. All of the things that we have said out loud has to be submitted. All of the things that we have taken through our ears to be submitted. All of the things that goes through our eyes need to be submitted. All of the things that has gone through with our hands and legs has to be submitted. That agreement in our spirit with God is the highest form of prayer. Let me say this one more time. That agreement in our spirit with God, in, in coming terms with God, is the highest form of prayer. And so God says, do that first. Make peace with me. The second thing that I want to touch is the placement of prayer. This, this altar of incense is right in the middle of this room, very closer to the veil that leads into the Holy of Holies, right? And, and, the, and the reason why God placed it, God is, not, God is so detailed, right? He wants to smell the prayers of the saints. And that's why it is closer to him when Daniel, right? was praying for 21 days. He was praying for 21 days. We are expecting a microwave-style answer for every request that we make before God. So we question him if we are not getting the answer at the end of our amen. Right? Yeah, if our prayer, and, and we start to question, maybe God is not hearing my prayer. That's probably why I'm not getting an answer to my prayer. Absolutely not. This altar of incense is very close to the veil that God can hear and smell every word that goes into that. And that's why when we read in Daniel chapter 10, verses 12, after he prayed for 21 days, the angel of the Lord comes and taps on Daniel's shoulder and he, look at what it says. Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. The very first moment you were even thinking about this thing, God has already heard. Even before it just came out of your mouth, God has already heard when it was formed in the heart. It was already heard. 
We are like a, this open book before God. He can just like a see what goes on inside our heart and hear from our heart, not from our words come out of our mouth. Okay? And that's why in Revelation, last week we saw Revelation chapter 8, right? Um, I'm going to read verses 3 and 4 because this is so beautiful verse. It says, Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense. This angel contains much incense. Who is this angel? Probably this is the, the Lord himself to whom all these prayers are being offered, right? And that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hands. Right? And then... There was another scene in Revelation. Sometime later, we should come back uh, even here or uh, the Friday nights to, uh, you know, do a study on the book of Revelation. This is a beautiful book, right? When you get a chance, I want you to just like a soak into this book. In one place, because this is all about the throne room. This is our home. This is our n- nation that we're going to go into. And here is a glimpse of that nation, right? And in chapter 4 of Revelation, it gives all the description of like everything that happens in that throne room. What caught my attention in that chapter is this. Where the God of this universe is sitting down, right? It looked like when John looked at it, the verse 5 in chapter 4 of Revelation, it says, the throne proceeded lightning and thundering and voices. What are those? Those are the answers to your prayers and my prayers, just like a busting out from that throne room as he smells every bit of our prayers. Immediately, the Bible says, immediately, when, when Daniel got on his knees, immediately the answer from heaven was sent out. And those answers were coming in such lightning speed because God is answering over five, six, seven, eight billion people's requests. It's just like a busting out like a thunders and lightning and voices coming out of that room. So the second thing that we need to be having an assurance that everything that we say before God is heard. God remembers every prayer. God just like us stores up every word that comes out of our heart. God will never, you know, take any one of our requests for granted. He will answer every one of them. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes wait. But there is an assurance that he's heard them all. Now, the third one. Prayer connects to the source and transfers his strength to our strength. If you're going to, if you're taking notes, you can just like a write like a, a source. Prayer connects to the source and transfers his strength to our strength. Hmm. 
you may say, Cyril, what is this? Can you unpack this? How do I get like what God has? Right? I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 31. This is a famous verse. I've read this so many times. I've not meditated on this part of that verse, but so many times we've heard this verse. It says, but those who wait on the Lord, this is the prayers, right? Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amazing, amazing assurance that God says, like, if you are going to wait on me, then you will renew the strength. You will mount up the wings like an eagle. And the, the verse is even more beautiful. Wings like eagles. Eagles, plural, right? Not just like a one eagle that's old and one eagle that's like sick. It's like every eagle that's out there has like a different kinds of this energy that they can go above the clouds. When the rain is pouring, the eagles just like a go soaring above those clouds and stay away from the rain and thunder and storms, right? So here, that verse we have heard so many times preached, right? But if you scroll that chapter a little bit higher to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28, God is talking to this prophet and he's saying, have you not known? God is saying, I've given this Bible in your hands. Have you not known? Have you not heard? You've heard so many messages in the past. Have you not heard this part that's already written? And he says, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He's talking about this magnificent God, right? Neither faints nor is weary. This is not in the characteristics of God. That God never gets faint over the kind of prayer request that we raise. Right? God's not weary about all these prayers that are coming from this earth or any other part of the galaxy. Right? And the thing is this. His understanding is unsearchable. We can go left, right, top, bottom, horizontal, vertical, any direction you go, you won't find the boundary of how much he can understand about you and me. He gives power to the weak, and those who have no might, he increases strength. That's what God wants to do. But then, verse 30 says, The youth shall faint and not be weary. The young man shall utterly fall. Hussein Bolt, in all his brightness, cannot run faster than God. He's such a powerful, magnificent, almighty, El Shaddai, God that we worship, right? And the thing is that God is saying now, people may 
have an idea that in their youth, while they have all this strength, they can just like outrun me or go through and do all these things. But they were all will faint and weary. In fact, they will fall short with all their strength. But, but, that's what the 31 verse says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Because he's already said, if you don't have strength, I'm going to give you strength. When you are weak, I become your strength, right? They shall mount up with the wings of ego. They shall run and not weary. What is God saying? Let me transfer the heart of mine into your heart so that you don't get weary over the things that are happening around you. You don't get faint over because these are characteristics of God. As a human, we would always go to this vulnerable moment of getting weary. There is nobody that is like a bulletproof from weariness. Nobody has a bubble to not have faintness in our characteristic. But God says, when you wait on me, you actually get transferred my strength to you. You get actually transferred my characteristics to you. We can walk away from the altar of incense this morning knowing he's already got this. In his hands. That's why, you know, I really like another psalm where Psalm 40, which is 1 through 3, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me. It's almost like a God was walking and he was going to like a heaven A to heaven B. And then while he was walking in heaven, he just like saw his son or his daughter just waiting on him in prayer. And as he was going faster to that, when he saw his son or daughter waiting, the Bible says he inclined, he bent over to listen, right? And heard my cry. And he brought, also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of, my, out of the mighty clay, mighty clay and set my feet upon the rock and established my steps. Right? It's almost like when we go to prayer in the morning, afternoon, whenever we go into that presence of God, it's almost like, a, uh, you know, that God is just like a fully in control of that situation, fully in control of that conversation, fully in control of like what needs to happen. Let me, um, you know, see if I can, uh, you know, break this tiny bit more. Has anyone ever run into a situation with your cell phone battery die? I am sure, I'm sure we all do and did, right? From time to time when we are traveling, especially when we are traveling, we always find ourselves not finding that, uh, you know, outlet to to charge our phone, right? And so if we don't get like an outlet to charge that phone, the phone battery starts to drain and drain and drain and drain. And I have seen so many times it is like a 8%, 5%, 3%. I'm always hoping that 1% will hold enough 
to find the outlet that I can plug this in, right? But uh, there were so many times it has gone from one to even zero, right? That's what happens to our spiritual battery as well. If we don't connect with God and throughout the day, we are draining our, our energy over things. We don't have a strength to just like add more and more to that pile unless we just like connect and wait upon him so he can transfer his strength and he can charge our spiritual battery. He can mount the wings like an eagle. In other words, the prayerlessness is a disease. Let me say this. Prayerlessness is a disease that we probably will run, you know, our day without getting charged is like, you know, we are not going to be able to, you know, get our, our, our strength back because we will get weary and get fainted. And God says, you know, those who wait on me. So that's the this third part of our puzzle is that like a, we need, when we go before the Lord uh, and, and just like a poor, our, our needs before him, whether it's supplication, whether it's petition, whether it is like, a, you know, one of those nine prayer types that we will run into, God says for every one of those types, you still need my strength to first overtake your strength. So the last one, the fourth one, we should ask, you know, any of our prayers that we are offering in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Anything that we ask in the name of Jesus, the Father God will never withhold from us. In fact, Jesus talks about it in John chapter 16, verses 23 to 24. Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, this is when he was having that night conversation, the night before he was crucified, he was sitting down and talking with his disciples. He says to them, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy may be full, that your joy may be full. In fact, you know, what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that uh, you guys are always hanging around me, right? And you haven't really asked for anything in my name. When you go to the Father, don't go to the Father with your name, but instead, my name. When God hears your cry, in, in my name, Jesus says, uh, it just pleases God to give it to you. Sometimes I've seen people when they're praying, they're almost like they're lobbing the prayer casually over the fence. They're, they're just like, a, yes, we need to have like a normal conversation, like a how we are having, like, but also there has to be a reverence to the name of Jesus when we pray to God. And the thing that just like amazes me is like, you know, I wanted to wrap up today, um, you know, with this thought. And then, 
next week, you know, I, I do want to go through those nine types of prayer that they are talking about, the prayer of petition, the prayer of agreement, the prayer of supplication, the prayer of consecration, the prayer of praise, thanksgiving, and worship, the prayer of casting your cares on the Lord, the united prayer, the, co- the corporate united prayer, the prayer of intercession, and the praying in spirit. We will go through those nine of those types that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, like all of those. But here's the thing I want to say as we wrap up today. In James chapter 5, right, verses 13 to 18, James is talking about something very important. He's saying, James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Right? James is talking about three things. When we offer prayer in faith, the sick will be saved, the dead will be raised, sins will be forgiven. Right? And then he says in 16, verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit, right? The thing is this. Here, he's talking about the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or a woman avails much, right? And I was thinking to myself this morning, is is all my prayer not effective? You know, what do you mean by God? Effective, fervent prayer. And then he gives this example of Elijah, right? So I went back to First Kings chapter 17, which is where Elijah's story is being told. In chapter 17 of First Kings, first verse says that that's the first time Elijah is being introduced into the Bible. And he says, like, uh, it says that the Lord has spoken to Elijah to tell the king of Israel that it's not going to rain. That's all it is. The first verse of 17. And then what happens to Elijah is the rest of the chapter, right? And then you fast forward to chapter 18. The first verse of that chapter says, now God is telling Elijah, now that three and a half years has gone by, go tell the king that it's going to rain. Right? And then this chapter goes on. Right? And um, you know, this is where they go to the Mount Carmel, and that uh, 
you know, the prophets of Baal comes. I mean, there's so many things that happen. But at the end of it, right, after all of those things happened, the, the prophet comes and says to the king, now that I have demonstrated my power through my God, right, now go, in verse 41, he says, go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. They both are standing next to each other. One is hearing the sound of the rain, abundance of rain, and the other one is not. The reason why the king of Israel, right, the guy who is just like supposedly the one that is taken over from David and Saul and Solomon, this king Ahab is not hearing the sound of the rain while the prophet is hearing the sound of the rain. The prophet already knows that it's going to rain. The proximity of our presence, proximity of us with the presence of God gives us access to the, the voices being heard from God. When we offer prayers to God, God actually speaks back to us. We actually hear what God is saying to us. When you go to God in prayer, right, it, it is, it's like God speaking to us back as well. So here he says, like, go, 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 go home. It's going to rain, right? And then the Bible says, right, the prophet actually went back. Elijah went up to the mountaintop or the top of Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees, right? I'm still on this effectual fervent prayer that James talked about, and that's this part that it's talking about, right? When, when Elijah was praying, he was just like on his knees with his head in between his knees. This is like a position of like a how women gave birth in those days. They never had like this tall chairs and the sit-ups where they can put their feet above and just push, right? In those days, the women gave birth to a baby by putting their head close to their knees, and they're just like a push and push and push to get the baby out. God has placed a vision in your heart and in your stomach, and he's just like a growing in your womb, his vision, and in order for that vision to come out of your body, we need to go to the Mount Carmel and push and push and push to get the baby out because God has placed that in your heart and my heart. That prayer that we are offering is a spiritual transaction that God says, take my prayer with such intensity, such passion, right? And I, I was even asking God, like, God, I don't understand. In the first verse of chapter 18, in first King, you said that it's going to rain. Why should this prophet go back to that mountain and pray, right? And God just reminded me that when, when, I, when this vision for a million children to be saved 
and not going to prison. That vision was already placed eight, nine years ago in your heart. Then why are you crying for every one of these children? Right? God was saying, that vision was already put in your womb. That baby needs to come out and you need to put your head in between your knees and push every single day because every day is a labor pain that you have to push and push and push and push and push and push and push to get that out because the breakthrough will not happen unless we take this prayer with such passion and intensity and push. Let the fire fall upon this earth and bring peace to this earth. Let this nation of America come to terms with God. There has to be a, a, a labor pain that we need to push. Life changed. Breakthrough happens. The limits being removed from this nation. We have, we have shown a weak Christ to this nation of America. That's why nobody cares about what the church has to say. And we got to be sincere. In fact, I went back and looked at the word fervent in the dictionary, right? It says blazing, burning, charged up, emotional, feverish, flaming, glowing, hot-blooded, intense, passionate, red-hot, superheated, vehement, warm-blooded. This is all talking about the passion we need to have about the prayers that we are offering before God. That's why I was saying, you cannot just like a throw a, a lob this prayer over the fence casually. I've heard people say, all we can do is pray. No. You've heard a bad news. Your heart is heavy and you're praying and your words are not coming out. When you hear like a bad news in your life. When you hear that someone you loved is just like a diagnosed with a cancer, someone who just like grew up with is just fine, just all of a sudden just passed away. The saliva in my mouth is just not going through my throat. I just God, I cannot even say a word. My eyes are just not ready. To hold the tears, God, I just cannot be there. Right this moment in time when my son or my daughter is going through this, and I'm just crying to God. Right? And during this moment in time, God says, that's what I'm waiting for you to do. This effectual fervent prayer. That's what availeth much. I was like a this was uh, nearly 25, 24 years ago. My daughter was diagnosed with emphysema, which is like a, a phlegm in her lungs has been filled up and just like a spilled all over her body. And uh, the 
that, that they had gone through a surgery, they have removed the phlegm, and for three days she was in this incubator, like a, the, the artificial support for her to breathe. She wasn't even able to breathe. One morning as I was going from the hospital to my home, I was driving, but I was crying and asking God, I just don't want to go home with a dead body. I was just like, you know, pouring my heart before God, and I was saying like, God, I want my daughter alive. Right? And as I was driving home that day, I was telling God what my real ask is in my prayer. Right? And three days later, she started to breathe. And for the next 15 days while we were in the hospital, miracle after miracle after miracle happened. And now, 23, 24 years later, she is now serving in the, in the Congress. And she's out there writing, you know, the bills. And, and she's just like, a, you know, a miracle that I was praying for on that drive going home from that hospital. I don't know what your cry this morning is, but God says it has to be as powerful, as open, as, as intense as that. Sometimes we start to pray for something and then we leave it halfway through. God says, you cannot leave your prayer halfway. You have an authority as a believer to command things. If he has a, a faith as a mustard seed, we can tell a mountain to move and it will move. In our desperation, in our prayer, in that hunger, when we are flaming red hot superheated prayer comes out to the surface, God says, ah, that's the one I'm ready to smell. It's, it's worth there's like a, a, a statement made by Kenneth Copeland a while back. He said, if it's worth praying for, then it should be also worth waiting for. The context in which all this is being said in James chapter 5 is that we need to have that kind of like a hunger and thirst when we go before the Lord. And God says, don't throw anything into this altar of incense. I want you to throw for me what is sweet and smelling that I can have. And next week when we come back, we will break apart these prayers even further. But today, all I want you to do is just remember that the effectual, fervent, fervent prayer avails much. That's what we are throwing into that altar of incense. Amen. Brother Vince. Thank you, Cyril. Hallelujah. Thank you for diving deeper into our prayers, all the various facets of prayer, and so much more beneath the surface than we can even imagine. They're reminding us from First Thessalonians when it says, Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. It's convicting because are we praying all the day, all day, from the simplest of requests, consulting him when we have decisions, minor decisions, 
or are we going on our own strength and might to make our decisions because we think we know better? Lord, may, may we continue to go to you with that. Before we make any prayer requests, we must make peace with God. And we must, we must remember that he sent peace. He sent peace through his son, Jesus. That's why we need to go and pray in Jesus' name. An example that David gave us in Psalm 3 was, he will never leave us nor forsake you. Nothing can separate us from, from God. That guilt, the sin, what we put in our eyes, what we see, what our thoughts are, what we hear, that all must be submitted to him before, before so we can make peace with him. Everything we say before God, he remembers. Sometimes, like I said, the answer will be a yes, a no, or wait. And waiting is the hardest thing I think we as human beings have to do is wait. Wait on him. Are we expecting? Are we we expecting to receive his strength when we connect to the source? It's as powerful as anything. Are we expecting to receive his strength? Are we waiting on him? Everything around us, our technology, our culture, our society says don't wait. Make your own decision. Move forward. He tells us to wait. Where are we going to draw our source? Who are we going to listen to? The creator, the almighty. Anything that we ask must be asked in Jesus' name. Are you crying out? your prayer in Jesus' name. My question, are we we being passionate? Are we being fervent? Are we being effective in our prayers? Are we continuously praying? That will determine the effectiveness and what Jesus is listening to. In your name, Jesus. Sarah. Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life, now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splinted cross, You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. 
Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 On the night before Jesus was crucified, he was sitting down with his disciples, and he said in Matthew chapter 26, it says, Take, eat. This is my body. That is just like it. That's a very simple request that God is making. Go ahead. Be part of my body. Be part of my vision. Be part of my direction. Be part of my providence. Be part of my provision. God is saying, I'm breaking myself and giving to you. As we take this bread this morning, I pray that this bread, as you are taking it into your body, there is anyone that is sick in your body, that when his body touches your body, your body will be healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Go ahead. Take that bread in Jesus' name. Amen. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave, gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. As we take this cup and drink, let God just like a pour into you his blood, Connect your blood with his blood and he cleanses every part of our, every cluster of our blood. Go ahead, please. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. As we go our ways to the morning, here is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take your right hand and put it where the heart is. Because the Bible says the kingdom's righteousness flows through our hands. His righteousness will flow through our hands. My prayer this morning is as we put our hands on our heart, that his righteousness will flow through your heart. If there is anyone that just came into this morning, into this call, with the heaviness of your heart, As we leave from this place, that heart will be melted. That heart will be eased. That burden will be lifted off from you and me. That we would see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has got a place in your heart. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, let your requests be known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding, this is the highest level of peace, right? The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. As you put your hand upon your heart, 
and do not know what you're praying for this morning. It may be the sickness. It may be the relationship. It may be the business. It may be that something that is just like bothering you. But God says, as you, just like I put your hand upon your heart, that I heard what you've already offered even the very first moment that you've offered, I've already heard it. But today I'm ready to heal that relationship, heal that business, heal that marriage, heal that child, heal that relationship. Father God, we come before your throne of grace this morning. One more time, lifting up our hands and putting them in our heart, Father God. Let your kingdom righteousness flow through our heart and mend it, Father God, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hope you all have a week. The conference has been unmuted. May the Lord go before you this morning. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, everybody. Have a good week. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have a great one, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you again for this. Everything was beautiful. And see you next week. This is Sister Bennett Charleston, South Carolina.